Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the Vial Dawn podcast for Tuesday, March 10th. Markets are rebounding relatively impressively after the um, Armageddon-like price action on Monday. So the S&P futures are up about 105 points. That is about 3.7%. Europe's major indices are up over 3%. Asia finished higher across the board, um, although not as strongly as uh, the U.S. and Europe are trading right now. Treasuries are getting hit. Yields are up. Ten-year uh, yields are up about 15 basis points. The dollar is spiking after getting crushed over the last several days. And Brent is also rallying along with everything else. Brent is up about four to five percent. Um so I, you know, I think the main the main driver of this morning's rebound is simply just very, very oversold price action on yes uh, as of the Monday closed. Um, you know, there's a lot of headlines out overnight and it's easy to kind of craft a you know quote unquote positive narrative to justify this morning. Although I think if you kind of peel back all the onion layers, there's nothing too dramatic that occurred overnight. So you have a lot of kind of stimulus hope headlines this morning. So the U.S. is talking about fiscal stimulus. Australia's on the tape talking about it. Japan's on the tape talking about it. Um, Italy's on the tape talking about it. So a bunch of countries are discussing fiscal stimulus options, although if you kind of look at the details, it's all very, very minor. So the numbers in question are very small. And also the the actual the steps being taken are also relatively minor in the grander scheme of global growth. So I you know I think at this point in time investors should not be hoping for some massive uh, fiscal binge globally to help um, you know change the the growth trajectory of of the world. Um, you know I think if you were to really see countries ramp up stimulus meaningfully, including the ones that have a lot of capacity like Germany, um, you'd have to see growth really deteriorate much further than it already has. Um, and even in the U.S. too. So Trump um, last night talked about, you know, taking, you know, meaningful fiscal stimulus actions. He used a lot of the typical Trumpian rhetoric that I think, um, you know, I, th- I think inflates beyond what's actually going to happen, um, you know, the steps that are being discussed. So, you know, the a payroll tax cut could be meaningful, although it does not seem Congress is really at that point yet. So that would require congressional consent. There does not seem to be enough support um, in place at the moment for that. You're probably going to have some actions taking around paid leave um, to the extent workers are hourly workers are sent home because of coronavirus fears that there'll be some assistance for them to continue receiving compensation. Um, it does not look like, so there has been some speculation about um, taking actions to help those industries that have been most acutely impacted by the coronavirus fallout, including travel and leisure. It does not look like that those ideas will be in this initial package that's being discussed. So I know there's been some talk, some hope that possibly airlines or cruise lines could receive special treatment. Um, that, that certainly is possible down the road. It just doesn't look like that will be in this initial um, this initial package of ideas being talked about. So, you know, the fist, there's a lot of fiscal noise on the tape today that that certainly is, I think, helping sentiment a little bit. But like I said, if you if you really kind of just look at the details, it's not all that impressive. Central banks clearly, um, you know, they, the markets are calling for central banks to act and they will be um, and they will respond. But I think, too, just like on the fiscal front, it's hard to get super excited. So the ECB is coming up Thursday morning. 
Um, you know, there's a lot of talk about what they're going to do, but they face a very depleted t- toolkit. Um, you know, if they were to drop the deposit rate further into negative territory, like I've been saying, I really don't think that's been that's going to be received well by markets. Um, you know, I think I think there's nearly a consensus view at this point in time that um, prolonged negative deposit rates harm more than they help. They become very counterproductive and they and they um, obviously hurt banks enormously. And you've seen how banks have been trading both in the US and Europe. European banks yesterday traded at all-time lows, um, going back even before the US financial crisis and the European financial crisis. Um, so I think to kind of just exacerbate the negative yield pressure on them would not be helpful. And on the QE front, you know, the ECB is already purchasing um, a decent amount of assets at the moment. It doesn't seem like they're really going to be ramping that up on Thursday. They can certainly talk about various steps and options that they have. Um, you know, I really, and I think that's kind of going to be, I, I think the central bank toolkit at the moment is, is more rhetoric than, than, than policy action. Um, the fed coming up next week on the 18th, you know, I, I've been saying, I think the speech that Rosengren made on Friday afternoon about how, to the extent the Fed will be forced to reactivate quantitative easing, which a lot of people think that they will be forced to eventually, um, given the state of global yields, if you really are going to provide incremental accommodation by purchasing assets, you're probably going to have to expand the pool beyond just treasuries and MBS. Um, now, this is all theoretical. It's all very academic at the moment. Rosengren was citing prior academic research on the subject, and he also acknowledged that this will require, likely require, congressional action to change some of the um, you know, some of the Fed statutes to give them permission to expand that pool of assets. But, you know, I think to the extent you were to see Powell um, acknowledge the Rosengren speech, acknowledge the, the academic point he was making that if if the whole point of quantitative easing is to drive yields lower, um, it wouldn't necessarily make much difference at this point in time, given how low yields are. And so you'd have to kind of expand out to other types of assets. Um, and given the enormous stress on corporate credit markets over the last several days, um, you know, I think if you were to see Powell echo that Rosengren sentiment, that would be very positive. I don't. I'm not sure if if that is going to happen. Um, given that there will be a Q and A, I'm certain that somebody should ask the question um, about quantitative easing and, and about the structure of a future quantitative easing program. Um, but that is that's for next week. And again, it's all it's theoretical at this point in time. Um, on the coronavirus front, it's really very much the same situation. So China continues to see dramatic improvement. You've have now, for several days, you've had no um, community spread cases outside of the Hubei province, and the cases inside the Hubei province are also very small compared to ha- what they have been. Um, President Xi actually made a trip to Wuhan earlier this morning, so this is the first time he's actually visited that region since the crisis um, broke out, so clearly signaling that the government feels that the worst of the crisis is over. You have more examples of, of the, the supply chain in China coming back online. Um, so, you know, then th- that's been the case now for a while. So the, the coronavirus situation in China continues to improve. And actually, you could also put South Korea in that column also where, you know, South Korea had been the most, um, had had seen the largest outbreak outside of China going back to later in February, earlier in March. And you're seeing the South Korean case load, um, the, the incremental South Korean cases also start to level off. So I think the you know, the situation in some Asian countries is certainly positive, but obviously you have now a problem in Europe and the U.S. Um, Italy uh, last night announced that they would be extending the travel and 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 gathering restrictions on people um, to the entire country. So Italy is taking dramatic steps to contain the spread, um, and you continue to see cases and and mortality numbers inch higher in the U.S. 
Um, you know, the CDC has said that they were going to have millions of tests available by the end of this week. Unclear if that's accurate. They've kind of fallen short on some of their prior test promises. But if that's the case, then you should start to see the reported case numbers in the U.S. rise um, just as more people are able to kind of get uh, tested. So I think, you know, markets will be watching very closely over over this week into the weekend and then to next week. Um, uh, you know, the extent to which U.S. case numbers are going to um, increase. On the oil front, there was really nothing out. Um, if anything, I think the news was, you know, still negative overnight, where you obviously had this this enormous rupture in the Saudi-Russia cooperation. Um, and now both um, are, you know, appear to be in an outright war over market share and prices. So you had Saudi Arabia, according to a Bloomberg article, talking about how they're going to be selling um, a record number of barrels in April, so 12.3 million barrels a day, which is actually more than the country can produce which means that they're going to be dipping into their strategic reserves on oil. So clearly flooding the market, or at least intending to flood the market. And then he had remarks from a few uh, Russian officials about how the country is able to cope with Brent prices at current levels for as much as 10 years. So clearly you're not seeing either side relent in their war. I still think that this is not necessarily what either intended. I don't think um, at the end of the day, they really want to see Brent prices at these levels for an extended period of time. Both countries are going to suffer. Um, it's just a question of when either of them, um, you know, pulls back. There will be more OPEC meetings and OPEC plus meetings on the calendar coming up. So, you know, the the ministers and and the advisors, um, the energy ministers and the energy advisors on both sides continue to kind of speak. It's just a question of um, will they kind of be able to walk back from the brink that they both stepped over, um, you know, Friday and then over the weekend. Um, so that's kind of everything out this morning on the macro front. I've been sending around a lot of various different macro pieces over the last several days. I have links to everything in the Vital Dawn this morning. I'm um, just talking about earnings math, talking about the fiscal options, um, you know, previewing a variety of different macro events today, including this, the primaries today. Um, Michigan will be the big state. Washington also goes to the polls. Biden is supposed to crush Michigan. And then as of a, a week ago, Biden was supposed to lose Washington, although the polls there have moved in his favor. Um, it would not be shocking if Biden were to win Michigan by, um, you know, 25 plus points, which some polls have him up and then also win Washington. You know, it's unclear why by uh, why Sanders would stay in the race beyond that. I don't necessarily think he'll drop out um, tonight or tomorrow. But, um, you know, if, if the polls are accurate, then it, it looks, you know, nearly impossible for him to really catch up in terms of uh, the delicate count. Um, like I was talking about before, we have the ECB on Thursday. Uh, Caterpillar actually has an analyst meeting Wednesday night. It will be interesting to kind of hear its update on, on current trends. And then Avago earnings on Thursday will be interesting as well. Um, I had a note yesterday just on kind of some updated earnings math. So you have obviously a variety of different headwinds facing S&P earnings. You had the initial coronavirus shock with China shutting down supply chain. That's largely passed. You have now these kind of sweeping um, travel cancellations that are taking place across Europe and the US. So you know, overnight, you had a bunch of different companies, including Bookings.com, Host Hotels, a couple of others that came out and withdrew their guidance. And this is just a couple of days after they had confirmed guidance or given guidance. So Host in particular, um, you know, just seven days ago, reiterated its guidance and then came out last night and said that they're withdrawing their guidance. So just showing how rapidly situations on the ground are changing and forcing some of these companies, um, you know, to evolve their outlooks. Uh, Vail Vail Resorts had earnings out last night too, and also made cautious remarks on the state of travel. um, And they withdrew their guidance as well. 
So, you know, I, I run through all the various different headwinds and obviously oil is an, is an added one on top of everything. Um, you know, so the number for 2019 on the S&P was about 163. Um, you know, it, it's looking hard to see how 2020 will grow off that number. Um, and if anything, if trends don't change, then you could certainly argue for, um, you know, a, an earnings decline off of that 163. So earnings very much in a state of flux. Um, I had been talking about a 170 number, which really reflected just that initial coronavirus shock from China that I think clearly is looking um, increasingly unattainable. It's just a question of by how much. So is it 165? Is it 163? Is it 160? Um, so that is everything for today. Just quick on the calendar. So this Trump will be um, giving a press conference today at some point, just talking about some of these economic ideas. You know, again, a lot of them are in the press already. He kind of previewed it last night. So should not be too shocking. Um, the primaries will get to results late tonight or early tomorrow morning. And then other than that, it's just earnings and there's no one um, all that major on the earnings calendar. So that is everything for today. Thank you for listening.